0: The food service and hospitality industries are evolving, often in ways you've never heard of, until now. Our host and technovator, Rob Grimes, is the leading voice of global food service and hospitality technology. Powered by the International Food and Beverage Technology Association, IFBTA, The Accelerate Podcast is where technology and ideas are shared, served with a side of new innovation. Welcome to the Accelerate Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Accelerate Podcast, powered by the IFBTA. I'm Rob Grimes, your host, and this week I'm really excited to have a conversation. Actually, it's going to be a three-way conversation with Lee Cockrell and Daniel Cockrell. And yes, you can figure out they may actually be related. So good morning, Lee and Dan.
1: Morning, Rob. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having us. Well, you guys
0: are the uh, experts in podcasts and speaking, writing books. Uh, and so this is going to be probably a tough assignment for me to talk to you. But why are we talking today? Well, we're talking today for a couple of reasons. Obviously, it's going to be about technology. But each of you have specialized uh in your lives in different areas, uh, but both having a background uh, in the hospitality industry. And we're going to talk about where technology intersects with customer service, as well as the guest experience. And I think that's something maybe you both know something about. So do either of you want to start with your perspective on technology or how it interacts in this area?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll defer to uh, I'll, I'll defer to dad, he, he likes to get the stuff going. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, for me, it's this that uh, everything gets better. And uh, this is what has happened with technology. It's happened. We've always tried to do it better every day in the hospitality business. You know, from the old days of you maybe had two pillows on your bed, you moved up to four and uh, express check-in, express check-out, the room service menus on your TV, uh, you could pre-order, you can have express check-in, express check-out. All of those things really weren't there back in the, when I started in the hotel business with Hilton way back in 1965. You got a hard key. Uh, I mean, it's a, a natural process, and I think uh, some of it is great. Some of it is still got a lot of work to do to uh, make sure it works. And also, I think the uh, training of the guest on how to use it and how to appreciate it is a, a big deal because we got many constituents. We got young people who just do it by in their sleep. And then we have uh, people like me who have to work at it and to try to figure out what I'm supposed to do to uh, use this technology when I travel or when I go. You know, I say if I see another QR code in a restaurant, I might just kill myself. So. uh Actually, uh, yeah, all progress is uh, frustrating and uh, all eventually uh, highly uh, uh, accepted and, uh, and uh, there's nothing we can do about it anyway and it's going to keep coming and uh, when it doesn't work, it gets better uh, later. Somebody else figures out how to make it better and uh, that's what it's all about. The future is better and better and better uh, depending on your point of view. Yeah.
0: Okay, so 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 I've got made a couple of mental notes. Never never give Lee a QR code, number <laughs> one. And it also sounds like uh, while the future may be better, technology is inevitable in there. So I'm wondering, Dan, you know, what is your uh, overall going in kickoff perspective on this?
1: Yeah, it's. I'll just tag on a a little some of the comments from Lee. I guess the first one is just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think that's what happens with a lot of technology. People saw, see the new bell and whistle. They don't think about how it fits into their strategy or it fits into the employee experience or the customer experience. They just want to roll it out because it's going to be something they can talk about. And so you really have to be disciplined, I think. Uh, part of, uh, you know, for many, many years, my experiences at, at Disney were, you know, this idea of the adoption curve. You know, everything in life can be put on a bell curve. And I remember being in a session back in the, early 2000s. And the idea was, you know what, we are going to consistently be on the lagging side of that curve, maybe towards the top, but we're not going to be the first in the market because we want to see, is this going to be something that's going to last? Is it something that our guests are going to uh, respond to? And so I know people are saying, well, wait a second, Disney's all about technology. Uh, uh, Hey,
0: wait, uh, wait, I'm saying, wait a second. You're saying that Disney wants to be on the lagging side. And when I uh, talk to people, I I point them out as being on the front side of it and really testing the waters and creating their own.
1: Yeah. Well, what I would say is, first of all, it was, um, part of it was the technology for entertainment's sake. Absolutely. There's all kinds of technology for attractions and and shows and experiences because that's, you know, that's the wheelhouse. I think when it comes to other parts of technology, Disney for many years decided to stand back, watch the competition. And I'm talking about things like, uh, you know, uh, Wi-Fi in rooms, uh, electronic door locks. Um, There's a lot of things that, that Disney was on the lagging edge. And then I would say over the past 10, 15 years, that has certainly accelerated Because not only has this uh, technology become cheaper and easier to implement, but it has shown that there many times is an immediate cost savings. And I think, you know, using technology for cost savings sake is fine, but you can't walk away from your guiding principles about what you're delivering and the value you're bringing to your your guests. The last thing I'll mention on this is, uh, you know, 70% of the way um, customers make decisions about brands and about uh, shopping and that kind of thing. 70% of it is emotional. And technology is not always and often is not going to tap into those emotions. It's going to tap into convenience and uh, efficiency and those kind of things. But um, that, that's where I, th- I start to get into this blend. I love technology, but there is certainly a way to think about it. I think there's a way to implement it responsibly and implement it in a way that's going to differentiate your business um, and, or it's going to support your business, and your people are going to differentiate. I'm, that's a little precursor, I think, to what Lee's going to be talking about.
0: Oh, so you're going to go ahead and tell Lee uh, what he's going to go ahead and talk about. That's pretty good, uh, Lee, because <laughs> I'm sure you probably spent a lot of your time teaching Dan uh, the business, and and I am curious about that because you have a long history before uh, working at Disney and in the in a top leadership role uh, with Marriott and other companies, but. What did you see because you were really uh, coming into Disney at the time when technology was booming uh, in the industry and, and the adoption was there and you had young people like your own kids, you know, that were going into it. So how do you see the adoption and bringing it in?
2: Well, I can tell you uh, uh, I started with Disney in France and France was far ahead of the U.S. in technology and uh, in many ways still are and it seems to work better there on some – some. Uh, Interactions, but uh, when I got to Walt Disney World in 1993, we did not have email. <laughs> I was going, what? <laughs> and uh, we were still using those brown uh, envelopes and carbon paper, and and um, I think I remember it was only forty thousand dollars to add email to the systems for us to be able to communicate faster, better, quicker and keep in touch with our guests and answer their complaints and all that. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, uh, nobody had, had it, so nobody was missing it, and nobody was pushing for it. But I had, it, of course, been exposed to it at uh, Disneyland Paris because it's just the way to get things done. And, you know, the thing today you got to remember is everybody wants everything right now. Uh, People have no patience. They want it now. Uh, They want it the way they want it. They want individualized uh, service, personalized service. And certainly through productivity, uh, the the operations are winning, but also the customers are getting better information quicker. And uh, they are um, getting the marketing uh, level of this is what changed Disney World. I will tell you the internet is what kept us as number one in the world because entertainment was coming quickly the internet came around in the 1990 kind of period and uh, everybody could put a commercial out everybody could put an offer out and uh, we had to really back up and get with it because every company was catching up very quickly with being able to attract uh, who we think are our customers so uh there are many implications about uh, if you don't have it or uh, when you do have it uh, you better have it quickly before your competitor does but somebody- I,
0: I think you I, th- I think you also yeah. have an additional challenge in there as well because uh, you're not only catering to a Uh, you know, a single audience, but you're catering to a global audience and people who are making Disney a destination and choosing not necessarily the country they're going to, but the destination itself. So you have cultural differences, language differences, generational differences uh, that are there, you know, and then culture differences as well. So how how do you fit all that in in a global company that has sort of a singular marketing message or brand, let's say, Uh, but satisfies all those different needs.
2: Yeah, well, we don't try to do it from a central point of view, the marketing around the world. It's uh, targeted and usually uh, developed and uh, distributed from the country we're in. I mean, the U.K. is marketing Disney different than America is. And if you go to China, obviously we're marketing uh, in the local area directly and France directly directly. And so uh, some of the mistakes we made early on, you know, were that we were in central control and we'll tell everybody what to do. And that didn't work out very well. And uh, so uh, today we let make sure that the culture we're in is running uh, and deciding what technology they're going to apply and going to use.
0: Maybe it isn't so much the marketing side of it, but when somebody visits and they have the experience, and I know that Dan, you were involved in a number of different projects. I think even the bands and things, where you had to be able to, you know, work within different people that are visiting and using the technology, and how they use it has to, you know, be able to be presented in multiple ways.
1: Yeah, that's it's it's you're right on. Uh, So here's yeah, I was in operations uh, when my Magic plus was rolled out. And in short, you know that was a, a billion dollar project. That was a billion dollar investment to say we have to update the Walt Disney World experience. Uh, and that included uh, wiring well 26 square miles of Walt Disney or 43 square miles of Walt Disney World with Wi-Fi, going to the magic Band, RFID technology, uh, going to book reservations in advance with attractions, food and beverage, putting in uh, touchless door locks, um, and there's a host of other things that, that happen. So I learned a ton from that project because talk about change management. And there's there's a few things that really uh, that, that that stuck with me coming out of that project. The first one was you know and you we we throw this term around all the time change management. But the idea was you can't sit in a boardroom, come up with the idea, then sit in a technology lab, and then one day just tell everyone here's here are the new tools you have to work with. Because people don't respond that way, no matter how good it is. They want to understand it, they want to ask questions, they want to challenge it. And so we took a very in-depth process. In fact, I was uh, uh, at the uh, Magic Kingdom at the time, and I did uh, we did t- uh, town hall meetings with all 12,000 employees over a, a few months to talk to them about, hey, this technology is coming. This is these are some previews of what it's going to do, but we want to reaffirm with you: this is not replacing what we believe in. This is not replacing our uh, our, our values around safety and great service and efficiency. These are simply going to be tools to help you do your job better. Uh, but you're going to have to be comfortable with these tools, and you're gonna your 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 role is going to shift now because you're gonna have you're gonna be able to be much more effective in how you help guests. So ironically we had to almost downplay the impact of the technology because everyone thought well disney's just throwing out the playbook that walt disney wrote and all these these magic bands are going to you know be the solution now and we had to assure them that was not the case the other the other thing that really uh, hit me was we had three guiding principles you know and guiding principles are such a valuable thing when you start projects make a list of guiding principles so when you get into the minutia you get into the Uh, all the details and the confusion and the distractions, you can go back and say, okay, should we invest this money for this part of the project? Well, let's go back to our guiding principles. And three guiding principles were basically, A, uh, the employees better love it. And so that that was one of our tests. Every time we came up with a new technology, a new form factor, uh, whatever it was for our, our employees, we said they better love it. So they don't, they will uh, passively not adopt it. They're not going to help us fix it and make it better. And so that was part of the, the guiding principle. Second was obviously the customers better love it. So when you ask a customer to say, you know what? You didn't book a reservation on property. We're going to send you a magic band, but you have to enter your 16 digit code to associate it with your band and you have I've to do been that down for,
0: that path, by the way.
1: You have to do that with five members of your family. And by the way, we're going to put it on the band, so you need some sort of uh, scientific microscope to see the numbers. Uh, we all decided at the time, you know what? I know the guests are not going to love that, so let's come up with something else. And they said, well, we have QR codes, we can do all, but it's going to cost like a million bucks to put the code in. I'm like, hey, what's a million when you're spending a billion? Plus, we, this is a guiding principle we agreed on. And we didn't get it right all the way, but that was something we pushed. And the third one, which was my favorite, which the, the story was at the time, Bob Iger, when he was the CEO of the Walt Disney Company, he turned to Tom Staggs, uh, who had pitched this to the board, and he said, uh, kind of really in a low voice to him, this better freaking work. And I don't think he said freaking. Um, and that became a rally okay. cry for everyone. This better freaking work. And so when we talk about that, it doesn't mean the technology has to be robust, and ha- which it does. But the, the other thing is this, this, this place has to operate if the technology is not working. We have to be able to still operate. We can't stop and tell people, we're sorry, some data center in Las Vegas went offline. You can't go on this ride, or you can't get this magical moment. So that was, there was a whole bunch of design put in place. And you know the IT group hated spending that money, but it was insurance policy. And we came up with the workarounds. And part of it better freaking work is you better give guests a choice. If they choose not to want to use all your technology, you need to give them a choice to get a paper menu. You need to give them a choice to have someone to work with them. You and can't no QR codes,
0: in. right? No QR codes.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got it because if there's gotta,
0: a QR code, we got a problem.
1: It, it, QR codes are problems. So, but you have to you have to put that in their hands. And it it takes it takes a ton of work. It takes a ton of focus groups. It takes a ton of investment. But at the end of the day, if your guests um, aren't enjoying the experience. They're not coming back they're not recommending you and your business is finished. So well, I don't before, care how much money you save with the efficiency. You got to right. come back and talk about it. Positively. And,
0: and that is the point. People put people put in technology for efficiency, cost savings. They put it in to make money. But uh, before we shift, because uh, we're going to shift into a couple of other areas. But before we shift off of some of the Disney piece here, um, either one of you and, and maybe Lee, you take this first, you know, uh, you've already, Both of you have already mentioned that Disney is a culture, and 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 people have a certain expectation. Started with Walt Disney, and, and it's certainly everywhere, uh, and and that culture lives on. How do you how do you use technology uh, to keep the culture or to move the culture moving forward?
2: Well, I think. Uh Technology is coming into our whole lives uh, and every part of our lives. So it's uh, actually it's expected that uh, businesses adopt it because we're adopting it in our personal life and companies are making us adopt it. I mean, really, when you think about who started all this, it seems to me like the airline's started making us do their job a long time ago and I, today I am so glad we have it because I can book my reservation anytime I want and I can change it and I can and, uh, and, and when I look at uh, how great uh, car rental companies are now, you pull in, you get up, and you leave and it's done. Uh, they, uh, they hit a, They scan a code on your windshield and you walk away. I mean, many of the companies have done a really fast, I mean, but those
0: are, but those are, but those are really services, right? I mean, those aren't the company culture themselves. So if you're going to offer a good service, how do you do it in such a way that you maintain the company's culture? You don't take the culture out of it and the message that makes Disney or anybody different than the others. I I view the airlines and the car rental companies as something of a commodity in their, in their messaging and and what they come out with. So, but Disney's not. I got a
1: couple, Uh, so I, actually, I have three I'll go through really quickly. Uh, one is communication. I mean, you know, the, that's what, in my mind, technology has enabled probably the most, the most profound thing it's done is enable to connect and, and, and create communication. So I could sit in my office every Friday, record a podcast on my iPhone, put it in the email and send it out to 12,000 employees and all my managers so they could hear my voice every week. Uh, talk for three or four minutes about what was on my mind. That was extremely powerful. Uh, secondly, convenience. Uh, to, va- to Lee's point, uh, all the things that car rental companies do and these companies do, you can give to your employees. Hey, you know what? I want to make a schedule change. Great. Instead of having to call the manager and get all this approval, you you go on the system, you swap it with the person you want to swap with. So all of a sudden your job becomes more flexible and you have more flexibility. And it's not because um, of anything special, it's because we've given you and empowered you to make those switches and decisions. And then, um, I think the, the the last thing comes down to role modeling. When you use technology to improve the culture and communicate and uh, and make your employees' experience better, you're role modeling. So when they go out to the customer experience, they, they recognize. Uh, the power of that, because they've seen it firsthand, and this we call this a chain of excellence. Great cultures focus on their employees, their employees focus on their guests, and the guests come back and again and again, and that's that's the business model.
0: Okay, so we're going to um, move into a couple of other subject areas here, sort of thinking outside the Disney box, but using that experience as well. But before we do, because we're actually going to be talking about some of the innovation and things that you see in the industry. Um, you know, I would remind our listeners that you know, just like me, if you're seeking and looking for new technology and innovation, uh, you know, it's pretty much everywhere around us. I think Dan already said he loves technology and and he's looking at different things. But if there's something that really makes you say "Wow," you should share it with me directly at coolideas@robertgrimes.com. Uh, that way, we can share them with others and start a conversation. And as far as accelerate, we hope you're subscribing. And if you have any thoughts or comments or suggestions for our show, please send us a note at uh, accelerate at So let's go ahead and transition a little bit because you both have a lot of experience, but you also have a lot of experience since you have left uh, Disney, Marriott, you know, all your backgrounds there. Uh, and you're also customers, of course. Um, and I'm wondering, uh, both of you have your own podcasts. You do consulting. Uh, you give advice to people, and you see a lot of things out there in different parts of the world, and working with different companies. So, is there is there something is there something that your clients ask you, or that you get asked a lot, as it relates to technology's role in their organizations? And and what have you actually observed? Yeah, so, Lee, well, maybe you want to start. Yeah, you sure. Know.
2: You know, I can tell you three things that we focus on at Disney, and they're all highly. Uh, Uh, connected to technology, and I tell even my clients today, I said there's three things you got to do better than everybody else, and that's hire them right, train them right, and treat them right. And, you know, when you hire right today, we have all kinds of uh, technology that we can uh, do uh, uh, interviews. uh, We can – Uh, We can understand where the people are coming from. We can uh, uh, have a better knowledge with better background checks before we hire them. And we're very careful who we hire. And that technology, it makes us hire better people. That's the main reason Disney has been so good all these years is everybody can't work for Disney. And we sort them out early. And technology is really helping us do that dramatically. Second is training. I mean, at the end of the day, simulated training online. We used to have to train out in the field. Uh, Today, people can sit in their office with a simulation and train and train and really become excellent at what they do before we send them out with the guest. We say, you know, at Disney, we don't practice on our guests. We make sure you know 100% what you're doing before you go out. And uh, technology provides that opportunity to do that. And then treat them right and i think daniel kind of commented on that the culture of uh, making it easy removing the hassles for your schedule where you pick up your uniforms uh how you get your paycheck uh, how you uh, apply for another job all of that is technology related so at the end of the day uh, we uh, got to have great people, well-trained that uh, really are committed to Disney because the environment and the culture they work in is uh, hass- hassle-free, I think, is what we're well, to,
0: right, a, to, to yeah, do. To yeah, any, to any company uh, today, uh, there's certainly a lot of tools that they can use to hire the right people. Uh, there's certain a lot of tools that they can to really know somebody's background, but also predict what kind of employee they're going to be within your environment. On the training side, You know, uh, we're talking about the hospitality business here and we're talking about, uh, you know, working with people. So how do you effectively uh, train somebody, you know, to provide guest service? How far along can you actually get? You might be able to predict that they'd be great guest service people by looking at their background and hiring them properly. But how do you assist to get them trained properly in providing guest service, not just the technical skill set for what they're going to do?
2: Well, I think you, the operator, needs to understand clearly what you're trying to achieve. And when you hire people, uh, the number one thing I think today is clarity, being 100 percent clear. So if you've got 12 things, 20 things or 15 things you want them to clearly understand is you have that discussion and you explain it to them and you explain what it looks like. And you can do that with videos. You can do that face to face. Uh, you can do it with reoccurring communication, but clarity of expectations. And a lot of times, I'm not sure the businesses even know what they want. And they're not communicating it properly to the employees. And most employees want to do a good job. I mean, I can tell you in a hotel or a restaurant, the general manager is probably the most important person in the company, because they create that culture and they create that knowledge and training and uh, uh, making getting people committed. So uh, you can use it in all three of these, and uh, uh, clarity. I just I use that word so much today. Most people are not doing their job because they're not clear. And I always tell people, you know, if you're not doing a good job, you got to ask yourself, is it your fault? Did you hire the wrong person? Did you not train them? Did, are you not treating them right? Are you not listening to them? Uh, uh, people leave for a reason, and you need to figure out what that reason is. And uh, we can certainly communicate better with technology and keep in touch and be available for them when they need us. So,
0: and I suppose, that, I suppose that also the ability to provide things uh, visually by audio uh, today with uh, artificial intelligence to be able to sense, you know, when people are learning or not and, and to provide them answers, you know, certainly helps uh, multifaceted helps in doing that. So, uh, Dan, you know, what are you observing? What are clients asking you uh, out there beyond your Disney experience uh, that you think is important that you've learned and, and that you would tell them going forward?
1: Yeah, I think the big thing they're asking when they hire us, Lee and I and Valerie and is how do we do you know at a base level, of what Disney does, how do we differentiate that? And a lot of companies think, well, we don't have those resources, we don't have that IP, we don't have those facilities and infrastructure. So there's a it, it's a different model and it has nothing to do with us. Ironically, we found that the consulting we do. And the interest we get for workshops and keynote speeches, most of it is outside the entertainment hospitality industry, uh, because we made the case that you can apply this to any business, hospitals, healthcare, shipping companies, because the culture we're talking about here and the approach to be empathetic to the employee experience and the customer experience can translate to any industry. So it's not so much to ask us, but there's two things that we tell them that are plain and plain sight, but they forget about. Uh, The first one is, we love this term, experience the experience. Get out there and be an employee. If you're in a management role or an executive role, a couple hours a month, you don't have to spend weeks on this. A couple hours a month, go be an employee, go to the call center, go into the operation, put on a uniform and just be there and stand next to someone who knows what they're doing. And just see what's going on. It's incredible how disconnected leaders are today with what's going on on the ground. And that's where the customers, the guests, the clients make their decisions on how good their experience is. It's those personal interactions every single time. Uh, The same with – so do that and make sure – and be a customer. Go on your 1-800 number. uh, Call your call center and see how long you wait. Go ahead and text. Uh, Go go through all the processes that your company has put in place for customers you are going to be – a enlightened and B uh, depressed because companies <laughs> put so many policies in place not to help the customer but to help themselves and no one has kept track of what that does to the customer experience. Uh, so that's one. The other one is you better you better keep learning as as Lee said at the beginning. I mean we talk you know people we throw this around now machine learning and artificial intelligence. People are like yeah I I can I can hold up a conversation but how do I implement that in my business I have no idea because I have no idea how it works and I have no idea what we need to do. So you may not be an expert in technology. I certainly am not, but you better know what questions to ask. So if you really want to be on the leading edge or hold your own in technology, you better be reading about it every day and taking courses and finding experts who are great at it to explain it to you. Uh, once again, not to be an expert in it, but if you don't know what it can do, you don't know what questions to ask. And well, I think the experts
0: may be, keys. yeah, the experts may be the experts in the technology, but you are the one who knows how to apply it. And apply I think your point it. about being, yeah, uh, being in operations, it is impossible that somebody who's 10 years, 20 years out of operations is making a technology decision for how they're going to serve a guest. Right. And they're so far removed from it. And so you have two choices and you really ought to do both. One is you should have that experience on a regular basis, as you've said, and sample it as a customer. But secondly, you should have people in the room who are doing it every day and help to make that decision. I think a lot of people leave those two things out.
2: Yeah, Rob, and I couldn't tell you, you know, one thing I think about a lot is uh, a lot of leaders uh, don't realize how good it can be and how good it used to be and we get into this uh, new employees settling for the way we do it instead of what is possible. And I think uh, just having higher expectations alone and really rethinking what's possible versus uh, just that's the way it is because nothing's the way it is. It's the way you let it be. And higher expectations, and uh, it's a mindset.
0: And, and you do have to think forward. It's not I, only your expectations, but think forward. Absolutely. So what's it like to uh, have both of you on the stage
2: at the same time? Oh those customers are so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> no it's, I, it's I'm very proud of Daniel and Valerie, you know, and to see he grew up in the hotel business. When he was four years old, he was trying to order room service at the Marriott in Philadelphia. And, uh, and he, he, didn't stay, he didn't want to stay in any hotel that didn't have a gift shop. So <laughs> when we stayed at the cheap days in because we had no money in those days, uh, he complained. And uh, we had to up our game. So it's fun, fun to work with him. And, fun, and he by the way, he's a better operator than I am. He was in the operations more than I was at Disney. I never worked in operations. I was in charge of operations. Disney, you know daniel ran I, hotels he ran
0: i su- i suspect there's a whole different story in there right because he's also on the ground looking up at what leadership's doing and getting that feedback <laughs> as well and it's tough to be a father son in that situation and believe me i know that i know that one personally so
2: exactly
1: and uh no it's been it's been it's been so much fun uh you know when when valor and i left disney five years ago um lee was one of the key ones that said look I was terrified. He said, look, you'll be fine. You're going to love this and I'm going to share everything I've learned so far. So there's no way we could have done this without him. And it's been uh, it's been a blessing to have that kind of support.
0: So let me just, uh, as we wrap up here, let me just ask you guys both a question. Um, so I, actually, Dan, I'm going to, Lee, I'm going to start with you and then I'll, I'll uh, go to the father-son piece here. So Uh, Lee, you observe what Dan's doing. You look at the technologies he's using and what is he into. Um, Do you have any uh, advice or observations uh, for him uh, of what you observe?
2: Well, I've been through his classes and watched his six-hour presentation, and he and Valerie use a lot of PowerPoint. I don't use PowerPoint because I don't know how. And and it's good to see the customers, the audience reacts in a very, very positive way and uh, So I think that is really critical that uh, they're reaching out. In fact, Daniel and Valerie are taking a lot of my business. I'm, my sales are going down. Yeah. So, uh, that's, you know, but it's okay. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, so Dan, that, that really, uh, that leaves that to you. Uh, we've just figured out that your dad doesn't do PowerPoint. Maybe you think he should, I don't know, but, uh, what uh, advice or observations for tech do you have for your dad? And if he's still using a paper day timer, which I think he is, I do know that there is an automated version of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, my, I have no advice. I think the, the, the thing that differentiates Lee is his um, brutal common sense about how things should be done. And just talking about these basic things to execute the plan. We sit, we make, we love making things complicated. It's easy to make things complicated because when we can talk about things that are complicated, it makes us look smarter. It impresses everybody, and it's uh, for a lot of people. It's a great way to get out of being accountable when things are complex and and disorganized. But he he's able to cut to the chase and say, "Look, you, you got to see through all that. You're dealing with people, and people need to be valued, and that you need to execute the plan." And that's um, you know, a great day in an operation is no one had to be a hero. It was just a great day because everyone was trained. You had everyone the right people there. And they felt good about what was happening, and those are the best. Those are the best uh, delivered service levels.
0: Well, listen, we appreciate that. And uh, note to self: next time we have Valerie on here as well. Uh, I look forward to continuing to have a conversation with you. We've known each other for a while, and I think that you're spreading the right message with the experience of what's going on in technology. And I, I wanna thank you both for joining us today. And with that, uh, this podcast is brought to you by the International Food and Beverage Technology Association. The IFBTA is the industry's leading voice within food and beverage technologies and the industry providing thought leadership as a single impartial go-to resource. The IFBTA provides in-person and online communities which help you to connect with your peers, exchange through an all-encompassing global technology directory and an industry-wide professional education certification program. The bottom line, the IFBTA is your place to gather, learn, and share. And with that, thank you for joining us on this episode of Accelerate, powered by the IFBTA. Thank you, Lee and Dan. And I am Rob Grimes, your host, and look forward to our next Accelerated Conversation together.